The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. If you would, take your Bibles and turn to Nehemiah once again. Nehemiah chapter 1 is kind of where we're going to start. I found some epitaphs this morning that I thought would be good. Because we're talking this morning about uh, building a life of purpose. Living a life of purpose. And <clears throat> I said last week we wouldn't want on our uh, tombstones, at least he paid his car payment. <clears throat> so I found some. Here lies my wife. I bid her goodbye. She rests now in peace, and so do I. <laughs> now, I didn't make these up. These are out there. Uh, here lies Henry Blake. He stepped on the gas instead of the brake. <laughs> Uh, here lies John Least, uh, pardon him for not rising. <coughs> here lies poor old Lester Moore, took slu- 44 slugs, or took slugs from a 44, no less and no more. We've, you've probably heard that one before. Uh, here lies the popular Kevin O'Toole. He thought it was cool to smoke in school. <laughs> uh, <coughs> there's some truth there. Here lies the body of drunken Tom, who died passed out upon his lawn. The mortician just giggled, he's already pickled, and there's no use to embalm. Uh, Here lies Kevin McGraw. He was quick on the trigger, but slow on the draw. (laughs) Uh, That's a good one, I thought. Uh, Here lies the man... We all call Zeke. He was second fastest draw in Cripple Creek. Uh, here lies a miser who lived for himself, who cared nothing but gathering all of his wealth. Uh, now where he is and now how he fares, nobody knows and nobody cares. That's kind of sad, isn't it? <laughs> uh, and that's what we talked about last week, uh, that gathering. Here lies a poor woman who was always tired. She lived in a house where help wasn't hired. Her last words were said, Dear friends, I am going. Where washing ain't wanted, nor mending, nor sewing. Where all things is done exact to my wishes. For where folks don't eat, and there's no washing of dishes. In heaven, loud anthems forever will ring. But having no voice, I'll keep clear of singing. Don't mourn for me now, don't mourn for me never, for where I'm going, I'll do nothing ever. Now, that's not true, is it? We're not going to go in heaven and have nothing to do forever, but it's going to be a joy and it's going to be a pleasure as we serve. These are just some one-liners that I I thought were the best of all uh, written. The first one, I think I can make it. Now, you got to think about what this is saying. They didn't. Uh, Steve, you'll like this one. There, there ain't no gas line in here. <clears throat> or this one. It'll support my weight. Uh, the next one. I've done this a million times. <clears throat> the other one. I thought about this last night. Uh, I know it's lightning outside. (laughs) When that lightning came over our heads about the time the fireworks started, I 
I, I thought, boy, this is going to be a show, all right. Uh, here's the next one. Uh, oh, I'm sure this water's deep enough to dive in. <laughs> the next one is for me, Steve. The power's off. <clears throat> this one pertains to last night, Christopher. <laughs> I'm sure the fuse is plenty long. <laughs> uh, one of them things blew up about a head high out there. <clears throat> and the next one is, hey, y'all watch this. <clears throat> but uh, anyway, uh, just to get you started tonight, this morning, we're, we're talking about Nehemiah, and we're talking about building a life of purpose. And last week, as we uh, went through our beginning of this, uh, I asked you to do this. I asked you to think about a concern you have. And we saw in Nehemiah's life last week that he began to cultivate a concern. And when we're living a life on purpose, we need to remember that God is going to give us a concern. And that concern that God's going to give us is going to be not a passing concern, but it's going to be a concern that stays on our mind. In other words, when we get up sometimes, that concern is going to come to our mind. And when we go around during the day, that concern is just going to keep coming to our mind. It's not simply going to be some kind of passing concern and it's gone, but a concern that stays with us. Now, in Nehemiah chapter 1... It says, in the late autumn of the 20th year of King Exorcy's reign, I was at the fortress of Susa, and Hanai, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. I asked them about the Jews that had arrived in captivity and about how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who return from the province of Judah. They're in great trouble and they're in great disgrace. And the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down and the gates have been burned up. And listen, Nehemiah said, when I heard this, I sat down and wept. And I wept. In fact, for days I mourned <clears throat> and I fasted and I prayed to the God of heaven. See, what happened in Nehemiah's life is God gave him a concern. And Nehemiah began to cultivate that concern. And as we read through this, we can understand what it's like to cultivate a concern because Nehemiah told us God had given him a concern. He began to think about it. He even wept about it. He mourned, he fasted, and he prayed to the God of heaven. As God gave him that concern, that's how he cultivated that concern. He mourned or he was saddened about it. <clears throat> he thought about it. He fasted about it. And he prayed about it, and he was cultivating a concern that God had given him. I want to remind you this morning that God has given each of us a purpose, and God has given us a concern. And it's our responsibility to cultivate that concern, because God has planted that in your heart and in your mind. So if God has given that concern to you, and you think about it, and you pray about it, and you take it before God... You begin to build on that concern, and you begin to say, Okay, God, you've given me this. What do I need to do with this? There's three things I told you last week I want to go through quickly <clears throat> in a way of reminder about your concern. And this is the most important, number one, I think, is not everyone is going to share your concern. God gave you a concern. You prayed about it. You've cultivated it. 
you begin to share it with others, but not everyone is going to be as concerned about that as you are. Remember, God gave that to you. What I like to do, and what so many of us like to do, is God gives us concern, and what do we want to do? We want to go give it to somebody else and say, hey, God give me this concern, go take care of it. (laughs) I'm kind of the CEO, you know, God just gave it to me, I want to just pass it on to y'all. But remember, Nehemiah, and we're going to see what Nehemiah was doing. God gave him a concern. Not everyone was concerned with it because they were living there. The walls were still down. The doors were still down. Not everyone, not every Jew, not those in Jerusalem were all concerned about it. Nehemiah took that concern. He lifted up to God. He moved out, and he had some action that followed that concern. Even though not everyone shared with that, God gave him the concern. He began to act on it. Not everyone who has a concern is going to act on it. We talked about this last week. Others had been concerned about the walls. Others had even started building the walls. But no one had followed through. No one had really acted on it. No one had really done anything about it. And the last thing that we need to realize is God often gives us a concern before he gives us a solution. I'll remind you that Nehemiah, he's the cupbearer to the king. He's not a a stone layer, he's not a mason, he's not a builder, he's not one who would constructed walls, but God gave him a concern. He took it before God, he began to pray to God about that concern, and even though he might not have had the answer at the time, he knew God had given him concern, and he was a part of the solution. Now remember this, when God gives you a concern, even if everybody else doesn't share in that same concern, even if other people are not as concerned as you are or are concerned as you are and still not acted, God wants you to be a part of that solution, just as he wanted Nehemiah to be a part of this solution. So as we closed last week, I ask you to do this one thing. Think about and pray about this week a concern that God has given you. Now, I want you to continue to do that this week. <clears throat> I want you to go ahead and think about what is God placing on my heart? What are some concerns that I have? And as God places those concerns, pray about it, think about it, even fast about it if God would leave you, and then bring it before God and say, okay, God, I believe this is a concern you've given me. Now, here this morning, what I want to do, I want to answer a couple of questions maybe. You have a concern, but you're not sure if it's from God. So here's how we're going to answer that. We need to center on the eternal. Okay, we're going to cultivate a concern, and then we need to center on the eternal. A God-given concern will have one characteristic in common, and that's going to focus on the eternal. Anytime God gives us a concern, it's going to focus to something to do with the eternal, because God's concerns are never really about us. They're never really about you. God's given concerns are about the eternal. And I want us just to think a little bit about eternity. I I heard or read an illustration one time that that was trying to explain eternity, and I think I've used this here before, and and it said, imagine a a rock that's a hundred yards wide and a hundred yards long and a hundred yards tall, and, and every year, once a year, a little sparrow comes, and he sharpens his beak on that huge stone. When that 
when that sparrow has rubbed that stone down to a pebble, that's one day in eternity. I mean, to me, that helps understand eternity. Eternity is, is forever. I don't know that our minds can even comprehend forever. But our concerns, God says, is going to be a concern that's going to affect all of eternity. Over in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 1, listen to what God's Word says. He has planted eternity in the human heart. Do you know you were created to last for an eternity? That's how you were created. That's how I was created. We're going to last for all of eternity. You say, well, Jake, you just stood up there for five minutes and read these silly epitaphs off of tombstones. What were you doing that for? Folks, that ain't eternity. That's the end of this life. That's the end of this side of heaven or this side of hell. Your body's going to live for eternity somewhere. For, for eternity. And God has placed it, eternity, in every human heart. So when we begin to think about and we begin to cultivate a concern, we need to think about the, the, the significance of eternity. And folks, I want you to know that there's a big difference between a good ideal and a God ideal. Isn't that a big difference? There's a big difference between good ideals. Man, I heard that. That's a, that's a great ideal. And something that is a God ideal. And God ideals will always center around eternity. Now, what made Nehemiah concern a God ideal? Look in Nehemiah chapter 1, down in verse 8. Nehemiah has this concern. He goes before God. He says, please remember what you told your servant Moses. Now remember, we're listening in on Nehemiah's prayer. Please remember, God, what you told your servant Moses. If you sin, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commandments, even if you're in exile to the ends of the earth, I will bring you back to this place that I have chosen for my name to be honored. Now, what... Nehemiah's done, he's reminding God of here's what you promised Moses. We're your servants, the people you rescued from the great power and through your great power and might, O Lord. Please hear my prayer and listen to the prayers of those who delight in honoring you and grant me success now as I go to ask the king for a great favor. Put this into his heart. That he, would may, that he might be kind to me. See what Nehemiah's doing? He's prayed by God. He, he's cultivated his concern. He began to realize, hey, this concern has to do with eternity. And God, grant me favor among the king. Who is he? He's the king's cupbearer. As I go before the king and as I ask permission to go and rebuild the walls of Jerusalem, God, grant me kindness before the king. Grant me the king's favor, if you will and put into his heart to be kind unto me. When Nehemiah was concerned about the broken walls, or, or why was he concerned? Because God had made a promise to the people of, of Israel. God had made a promise that they were going to return, that he was going to restore their fortunes, that he was going to restore to them their place in, in his order and their place as his chosen ones. And, and Nehemiah got to thinking about that. He got to praying about it. And he said, you know what? This concern is, is eternal and it's not about me. It's about a promise that God has made about 
his people Israel. And Nehemiah's concern really wasn't even about the wall. It was about God's people and God's plan and Israel's rightful place in that plan. So see, Nehemiah's concern was much bigger than himself. He saw God's people, and he saw that God's people had been driven out of where they were supposed to be, their rightful place. And he came and he said, God, I want to restore your people, and I want you to use me to restore your people to where they need to be. And, and that's, what we say, that's what we think about God's lasting eternal, eternity and our work in eternity. You know our careers are not going to last eternally. Our, our reputation is not going to last for all of eternity. Our bank account is not going to last for all of eternity. But one thing that's going to last in all of eternity, and that's what we do for other people. Amen? That's going to last for all eternity. Man, if we turn a brother to Christ, you know what? We've affected all of eternity. And we need to take our resources and our time and our abilities... And we need to influence people that's going to make a difference for all of eternity. And really nothing else matters. The Bible teaches us that, that everything we have is a trust from God. You know what a trustee is? A trustee doesn't own anything. A trustee is legally accountable for everything. Did y'all hear that? A trustee, he's legally, he or she is legally accountable for everything. So a, a trustee doesn't ask what percentage should I give away. A, a trustee is, is simply responsible for doing the most good with whatever has been entrusted to him. So as God entrusts things to us, such as our time, our money, our, our abilities, whatever he's entrusted to us, we need to say, you know, God has entrusted these things to it. I'm a, I'm a trustee, so how can I use those things to build His kingdom? We could stop right there and we could go over and we could look in Matthew at the ruler who came and gave so much money to each of his followers and some went and doubled and tripled and some went and buried and didn't do anything with them. And, and God said they were those evil, uh, evil servants that went and didn't do anything with what God had entrusted them with. That whole story... It's about God has entrusted us with something that we might use it for eternity. Over in 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 18. Now, this is the Revised Living Bible. So, the translation you have, unless you have that, it's not going to read like this. But it says this, 1 Timothy 6, 18. Use your resources or your monies to do good. Always be ready to share whatever God has given you and by doing this, you will be storing up real treasure for yourself in heaven. This is the only safe investment in eternity. And you will live a fruitful life for Christ down here as well. That scripture says this, when, when we give of our time, when we give of our resources, when we give of our abilities... For eternity, we're making a safe investment in heaven. So there are a couple of questions I want you to ask this morning. As you cultivate your concern, as you go before God and you say, okay, here's the solution, we're going to move forward. The first thing I want you to ask yourself, what people can you influence? If I was to come to each of you this morning and I was just to say, okay, what people can you influence? I want you just to think about in your mind, take a look around of the people that you're engaged with, your family, your neighbors, your, your co-workers, whoever you're, you're engaged with, 
Think about this. The reason God has put you in that situation, the reason God has planted you where you are is so that you could have a life of influence over those people. And I want you to ask yourself this. What kind of influence are you having on the people that you're engaged with? The people you work with or the people you live with or the people that you just come in contact with for various reasons. What kind of example or what kind of influence do you have over those people? Now, here's the good news. God has brought those people into your life, but you don't have to do it by yourself. Isn't that great? There's opportunities as a church, the people of God, to help you in that influence. I'll give you some examples. We had a 4th of July party last night. That was a great opportunity to say, hey, I have an influence over this group of people. My church is having something. Let's invite them down, and I'm going to let my Christian friends influence them. Isn't that what it's all about? You know why we had a 4th of July party last night? That we might bring others into our fellowship and let them see, hey, you know what? These Christians are just normal people. They're just like us and, and have an influence over them. We had a fish fry right across the road here a month or two ago. You know what that was for? That was for us as Christians to, to say, hey, you have an influence of friends and people that you gather with. Gather them up and, and bring them and feed them free food. Who won't come for free food? The problem is we as Christians too often say, well, I've got something else to do that night. You know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm probably not going to go. That's the last night of Survivor. You, I mean, whatever. Put your whole, put whatever it is. But the church is offering opportunities for those you influence to bring and say, hey, this is my church. Let's gang up on them. How about that? Let's gang up on them and say, okay, you, you have an influence over this person. Bring them to church. We're going to gang up on them, and we're going to have a Christian influence over those people. See, Ask yourself, what people can I influence? And there's nothing easier than just saying, hey, we're having this down at the church, and I want you to come, and, and I want you to be a part of it. We're going to play volleyball, or we're going to play dominoes, or, or whatever y'all were playing, banana, or whatever it was called. I've seen a banana is all I've seen on the table. So whatever it is, hey, hey, let's influence folks. The second thing is, how can I invest? Oh, you're going to meddling now. Everything was all right, but now you're going to meddling. Like that preacher I've told you about, that the, the preacher got up and the deacon was out there, and he said if this, if this church is, is going is to walk, then uh, we need to get out and we're, we're going to have to work. And, and uh, if this church is going to fly, then it's going uh, to take some resources. It's going to take some giving. And that deacon said, well, let's just let it walk then. You know, we, don't, we don't care if it flies. Let's just let it walk. Industrialist Andrew Carnegie said, The man who dies rich dies in disgrace. And what he meant by that is, is our goal should be, let's leave nothing behind. Let's, let's be a trustee of what God has given us. And, and where can we invest? How can we invest in, in the future? How can we invest in eternity? And God's placed eternity in our heart, and He's entrusted us with things that we need to use, that we need to get back to God in order to serve Him. Luke, 19, Luke 16, 9 says, I tell you the truth, use your worldly resources to benefit others and to make friends 
You ever read that? Now, there's some different translations, but all of them say that, to make friends. I tell you, use your worldly resources to benefit others and make friends, and in this way, your generosity stores up a reward for you in heaven. Use what God has given you to go out and make friends and influence people that you might lead them to where God would have you be. What concern has God placed upon you? The last thing is what character can I develop? What character can I develop? And the best way to know how to build a life of purpose is to build our character and what kind of character we want to have. We want to have a character that looks like Jesus Christ. So we need to build a character that others would see Christ in us. In other words, when they look at us, when they see us, they're going to see a character, a characteristic about us that they say, you know what, that reminds me of something Christ can do. Over in John chapter 15, verse 4, it says this, you cannot be fruitful apart from me. You've got to establish a relationship with Christ and build character in who we are. We, he is the... He is the vine, we are the branches, and as we have a characteristics of Christ, we look more like Him, and if we look more like Him, then we begin to produce fruit that He have, have us develop. So we have two things here now. We're talking about you've, you've developed a character, and as you've developed, uh, developed that, that concern, I mean, you begin to focus on what's eternal. And here's the last thing. The most important, I believe, is this, and we're getting ready to close in just a few minutes. Concentrate your energy. Concentrate your energy. How many of you this morning would just say, I'm just tired? Few of you, few of you, few of you young ones, I'm just tired. I'm just wore out. I told Jeremy I got up and took four Advil, I mean uh, four leave this morning. <laughs> uh, Boy, I went bowling the other day, and I sore all over. Isn't that horrible? <laughs> Get sore from bowling? <clears throat> but anyway, don't laugh if you had not been bowling lately. <laughs> uh, but I'm going to fast forward a little in Nehemiah's story, all the way over to Nehemiah chapter 6. If you're in your Bibles, turn over to Nehemiah chapter 6. And I want you all to listen to this part. Nehemiah chapter 6, the wall is almost completed. Nehemiah is only a few days away from completing the project. Incidentally, earlier, I never finished, the king said, Okay, Nehemiah, you can go down and you can build Jerusalem back. You can build the walls, you can hang the doors. So the king found favor there on Nehemiah. He goes down, he starts the project. As he begins to start this project, remember this God-given concern that Nehemiah had, his enemies start saying, Wait a minute, look what Nehemiah's doing. God gave him concern. Nehemiah is focusing on the eternal, and his enemies begin to recognize that. So in Nehemiah chapter 6, in verses 1 and 2, Nehemiah is getting close to completing the project. His enemies are all stirred up about it, and it says, When Sanballat and Tobiah and Geshem the Arab and the rest of his enemies found out that I had finished rebuilding the wall and it had no gaps remaining, though we had not hung the doors in the gates... Sambalite and Geshem sent messengers to me asking me to come and meet with them in one of the villages in the plain of Ono. So look what's happening here. Nehemiah's enemies get together and they say, you know what, we're going to invite Nehemiah to a meeting. Now, the plan was to get him off the project. The plan was to, to take his supporters 
take Nehemiah away. They just wanted to kill him because they didn't want the walls built back. They sure didn't want the gates hung back up. And Nehemiah, I don't know that he knew the full extent of their plans, but I want you to listen to what Nehemiah said. And that verse, if you don't have this underlined or highlighted or circled, you need to do that. Because here Nehemiah is, he's on a project that God has given him. God gave him a concern. He focused on the eternal. He put these plans into action. He's moving forward. Things are going good. And all of a sudden, a distraction comes up. And these folks say, hey, Nehemiah, we need you to come down and meet with us. And I want you to hear what Nehemiah said. He said this, I am doing a great work, and I cannot come down. Folks, we need to understand that. This, this verse tells us what we need to keep in front of us all the time. When God is having us on a great work, I can't come down right now. Nehemiah, that he knew that if he was going to live a life of purpose... He was going to have to deal with the enemy of purpose. And you know what that is? That's distractions. When we want to live a life of purpose, and when we're moving forward what God would want us, there are distractions that come up in our life. And Satan puts those things out there because we're doing a great work of God. And these distractions come up, and his distraction came to Nehemiah. He said, wait a minute. I'm involved in a great work, and I cannot come down at this time. Every day of our lives, we have opportunities that come up that are potential distractions. What's one of the hardest words for you to say? No. Isn't that hard to say? When somebody come, when Kim comes to me and says, you mind if I use you for an illustration? And says, Jake... God gave me a great vision, and man, it's going to be all eternity. And I want us to do this, and I want you to do this, and it's, it's just going to be two nights a week you're going to have to come. You know, the hardest thing for me to do is go, Kim, I just can't do that. What are most of us going to do? We're going to say, okay, and then I'm going to go tell Denise, Denise, that cotton-picking Kim, <laughs> come to me. And now for two nights a week, I've got to go do this. I can't do this, this, or this now because i got something else I've got to go. The hardest thing for us to do sometimes is just say, no, I can't do that. If God has given you that purpose and that concern and God has focused you on that eternity, we need to get involved in what God wants to do. But we need to be careful about letting distractions remove us from the purpose God has given us. So as we think about that, as we... Move around with that. I wrestle with that as much as anything. And remember this statement. Is this a good ideal or is it a God ideal? Because, folks, we can come up with all kinds of good ideals that are not necessarily God ideals that will simply distract us from the purpose that God has given us. One man wrote, Keep this in mind that you're always saying no to something if it isn't to the apparent urgent things in your life, it's probably more to the fundamental, highly important things. Even if the urgent is good, the good can keep you from doing the best. It can keep you from your unique contribution if you let it. Boy, listen to this statement. 
If the urgent is good, it can keep you from the best. You were put on earth for a purpose. God has truly given you a purpose. And when God gives us a purpose, we need to begin to cultivate that purpose. We need to begin to think about, is this what God wants me to do as far as eternity? And then we need to focus and we need to concentrate our energy on that purpose. Acts 13, 36. Listen to this. David, King David, served God's purpose in his own generation. Would you bow your heads with me? Think about what that says. King David. Can you imagine how many good ideals that were brought to King David? Hey, hey David, I thought about this. This would be great if we would do this. This would be a good ideal. Don't you think this is a good ideal? And how many times David must have said, you know, as I look at my purpose, I, I just don't think that's for me right now. Now, we can't use that as an excuse and a crutch. Oh, I got too much going at home. I can't be involved in that, so I, I don't mind saying no. Remember, I'm talking about when God's put you on a purpose. When you've... When you, thought about eternity and, and you've cultivated that concern and you've focused your energy on fulfilling that purpose, at that point, we need to realize good ideals and urgent ideals may not always be God's ideals. David served God's purpose in his generation. As we pray together, I want to ask you, what's your next step? I asked you last week, I'm asking you again this week, cultivate the concern that God puts on your heart. Others may not share it right now. Others may share it but not do anything about it. You may not have any idea what the answer is, but begin to cultivate it, begin to pray about it, take it before God, begin to think about it. Begin to focus on how is this going to affect eternity. Remember, God's purpose will always have an effect on eternity. As God begins to answer those questions, as God begins to open those doors, we need to focus our attention, concentrate our energy on the purpose God has given us. If you're a born-again Christian in this place this morning, God has a purpose for you. Amen? He has a purpose for you. He's placed you in a place that you can influence others. And now let's pray together. And let's just pray, Lord, help me to live for eternity. Me, Father. Help me to live for eternity. And Father, I pray that you'd not let me waste my time on, on temporary things and spend up energy on things that truly don't matter. Father, I pray that I'd give my time and my talents, my resources, my abilities to you as a trustee of what you've entrusted me with. I pray that I'd be a good steward. Father, I pray that I'd live a life of purpose for you. I pray that you'd open my heart, open my mind, and help me discern between the good ideals and the God ideals. I pray for this church. 
as we all think about and cultivate our purpose in you. Father, I pray that you'd move us to the great God ideals that we might build this place for eternity. Lord, I know that Satan is going to put all kinds of distractions before us. Lord, I pray that we'd be able to know that as we serve God and we're on a great mission and a great purpose, we'd be able to know when there's simply distractions and stumbling blocks, we'd be able to avoid those and that we'd be able to move towards you and towards our purpose in you. Father, this morning, as always, I pray that you just take a, a bunch of foolish babble that comes out of a man's mouth, but that your spirit would grab hold of those words, that you would turn them to your very words and fall on our hearts. I pray that our hearts would be softened and they would be fertile ground for your word and your truth to grow upon. And Lord, I pray this now in the name of Jesus. Amen.